0: Hello and welcome back to an exciting, strange summer edition of Porcelain Peak, the strange and scary podcast that covers everything from horror to sci-fi and all of the season two things in between. I am your host, John, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Anthony. How's it going, my dude?
1: Pretty good, man. How you doing?
0: I'm doing pretty good. We are re- strangely recording on a Monday morning, and this is a, a, a new experience. Usually, it's <laughs> almost dark by the time we get into the booth.
1: All right, so hopefully we can get this out to you in time for it to be released today on schedule. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fingers crossed. Sorry for the delay. All right, uh, but as always, we will hop into some news. This is it, gentlemen. You're big, bright, TV. What the front guess.
1: This is kind of cool. Lana Wachowski, one of the Wachowski sisters, is rumored to be directing a new Matrix movie.
0: Yeah, I saw that this morning when I was thumbing through on socials. And I was like, new Matrix? Like, are we talking reboot? Remake? Are we talking a sequel? Like, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. I'm genuinely intrigued. Yeah, and it looks like Michael B.
1: Jordan might be attached. And again, all rumors.
0: I mean, that sounds like a match made in heaven. I mean, if... If anything is to be said about the late Wachowski's uh, career, uh, if you ignore things like Jupiter Ascending and you look at more, things more like Sense8, there's definitely some meat on the bones and they've definitely got some ideas left in the tank. So hopefully something cool comes of this. I'd be super stoked about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I really liked the other three, even the Animatrix. I yeah, those I weren't all loved, but I, uh, I'd be down to watch more of that world.
0: So yeah, they're they're not great like the first film is, but they are serviceable and they are an interesting take on like looking at sci-fi as far as like a society falling apart and being taken over. Like it's it's just it's an interesting piece and I really hope that they do something killer.
1: Yeah, I hope that that's more than just a rumor.
0: Speaking of killer, moving on to a piece of horror news, apparently the Halloween sequel is already in process of being made and will start filming in the fall.
1: Oh, shit. Is it going to have Jamie Lee?
0: I don't know. All we know is that that it's rumored that the sequel is coming, that it'll start filming in the fall, and that we'll get it in 2020.
1: That's cool. I hope that it's handled well because we don't really need it. So if they're going to do it, make it worth it. You know what I mean?
0: I mean, I would honestly... I would like to see something more like season of the witch. I mean, I know we, we beat that drum here all the time (laughs) that, I mean, it's Halloween because it has that one movie that takes it away from Michael. It doesn't always have to be about Michael. And I would love to see more of that.
1: Yeah. And anthologies are big with TV shows right now. Yeah. So I think that they could make a movie work if they really want to, or a series of movies. And Because they're not all connected necessarily, they could do one every year or have two in production at the same time and, I mean, release these bad boys. Yeah. That'd be tight. So then along those same lines, since we are talking about another Blumhouse movie, it looks like Blumhouse has also cast Kaylee Spaney, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, in the craft that they're remaking.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah, I saw that there were a couple of pieces of Blumhouse news. I know that they they added a name that I'm not familiar with to, I believe, the writing staff of the Invisible Man. So it'll be interesting to see how some of these newer projects turn out because they're being given some pretty big like properties to work with, and I really dig that.
1: It's because they make a ton of money. <laughs> Definitely.
0: I mean, and speaking of Blumhouse vets, uh, apparently James Wan is in the process of writing and making the Aquaman spinoff. So he's making a, somewhat of a sequel, but I don't know if it's actually going to have Aquaman or Mira in it. I think it's just going to be based in that universe called The Trench, and it's supposed to be completely horror, which I'm all about.
1: Oh, and and DC's letting him do
0: that? Apparently. I'm wondering if this is something that like they, they might be giving to him as kind of like a, hey, sorry we shit the bed with the whole Swamp Thing ch- series, here's here's something cool you can work with and give us that horror DC take that you've been wanting to do for like years now. Um, We got another trailer for into the dark for their July uh, release going to be called culture shock. And it obviously is about the 4th of July. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see what that turns out. Like I haven't seen the trailer yet. It was just something that I saw thumbing through this morning, looking through news, but they've been coming up with some cool concepts recently. So, I mean, I'm wondering if having like a horror movie kind of about like, cultural excess in america like fuck yeah sign me up <laughs>
1: <laughs> dude i completely forgot about that series even though i've seen all of them i don't i didn't watch this months i don't even remember what it was speaking of trailers when i went and watched child's play they showed like an extended trailer for midsummer wow
0: uh i mean it's getting incredible early reviews i'm really excited to see it um it might end up being something we have to talk about on the show because it looks yeah. incredible A couple more uh, quick things before we get to uh, the trivia. I know that they set a release date for the new season of American Horror Story. It's going to be in September. Uh, The series is called 1984. So I'm wondering if it's going to be something more along the line of like a political horror. I mean, they've done it before. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how that turns out.
1: I thought they were doing summer camp.
0: It says 1984. So it might be something that's based around a summer camp as well. But the 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 name 1984 totally makes you think 1984 the book. Right. But yeah. Apparently, Danny Boyle is saying that he already has an idea for the third 28 movie.
1: Nice. 28 months.
0: Well, I don't know what they're going to call it, but it'd be interesting to see if this actually comes to fruition. But it's being cited by some pretty big horror news sites. Uh, Bloody Disgusting talked about it. Horror News Network talked about it. There's a There's a bunch of people who are saying that he's sure he's got the idea this time i mean we've heard this a billion times so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get too excited until i see like an interview where he physically says it you know (laughs) and then they're like production starts this date
1: how long has it been since the first one came out (sighs)
0: shit the early 2000s So almost 20 years it's a long time
1: yeah, might as well just wait and call it twenty eight years later. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and the last piece of news is uh, the final Stranger Things trailer has been released. Uh, not no. gonna, not yeah. gonna watch it. No. no, we're gonna completely avoid that. <laughs> um, the first one was enough. I don't need to see anymore. We're gonna get it in a week. I'm, I'm ready. Uh, I'm very ready, but I uh, don't need to see a trailer anymore. I'm good. They, didn't, they just needed to say it could have been one that was just Stranger Things season three. July 4th, and that would have been enough for me. Just a, an image that just slowly <laughs> showed things. Like, all right, my interest is peaked. I'm ready.
1: Yeah, I don't need to see anything for that. I already know I'm going to watch it, and yeah. I have to because yeah. we're talking about it.
0: <laughs> but you don't really have to. You want to. 100%. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for news this week. If we miss anything, uh, it'll be kind of a difficult thing to notice considering oh, we're recording on the same day we're releasing this time. But uh, hit us up on any of our socials if we did miss anything, and we will... Uh, uh, give you a shout out next week. So let's move on to the Stranger Things Back to the 80s trivia.
1: The first category is Movies in 48 Hours. Which actor plays a character who is let out of prison for 48 hours to help solve a criminal case? Is it Eddie Murphy? It is Eddie Murphy. Nice. I
0: I didn't want to accidentally say Nick Nolte and then be really upset with myself. Um, What filmmaker wrote and directed several classic teen comedies of the 80s, including Weird Science?
1: John Hughes. I was going
0: to say, come on, dog. You know this. (laughs) Over there. Give me, like, the friggin' Manchurian candidate face. Like, <laughs> all right. I
1: didn't know that he was a part of that weird science, though.
0: He, I mean, he pretty much made any comedy that came out in the 80s.
1: <laughs> in, like, a day, too. Wasn't he known for writing scripts crazy quickly? Yeah. Okay, moving on to the TV category. What sitcom started with its main character working as a butler and ended with him running for governor in the series finale? Was it Benson, Mr.
0: Belvedere, or Soap? Mr. Belvedere. It is Benson. Uh, I haven't haven't seen any of them. It was
1: never revealed if Benson won the election or not. Well, that sucks. All right.
0: Boo to this question already. What action-packed show featured Face, Murdoch, B.A., and Hannibal driving around in a black van?
1: That's going to be the B team.
0: (laughs) That's the A team. It is definitely the A team.
1: That's a, a good game. So let's go on to the music section. What band from the land down under shares its name with a common road traffic sign?
0: Is it stop?
1: It is not. It is men at work.
0: Ah, men at work.
1: Come from the land down under.
0: See, just, I'm aware of the song. <laughs> all right. That's all right. Uh, what type of feline was part of singer John Mellencamp's name when he had hits like Rock in the USA and Jack and Diane?
1: I don't know the lion,
0: cougar, ah. Johnny Cougar Mellencamp. Ah, that makes sense.
1: Two <laughs> one ah. going into famous people and events. What Swedish tennis ace shocked fans in 1983 when he announced he was retiring at age 26 at the top of his
0: game? Shit, I have no idea. I know it definitely wasn't Agassi uh, because he did not retire in at 26. Uh, but he's the only tennis player I can think of right now. So Andre Agassi.
1: That is incorrect. It is Bjorn Borg. His grace under pressure demeanor earned him the nickname Iceborg.
0: <laughs> Iceborg? <laughs> oh my God. All right. What potato loving Indiana senator was sworn in as the 44th vice president of the United States on January 20th, 1989? Cheney. It's not Cheney. Cheney was a little bit later. This is Dan Quayle.
1: I know nothing about politics. I barely know who the president is now.
0: It's pretty hard to miss the president now. (laughs) Shines like a beacon.
1: Okay, moving on to trends, tech, and fun. What 1982 arcade game let you defeat enemies on the moon while riding in a rover?
0: It's not asteroids, but I'm going to say asteroids. It is Moon Patrol. Moon Patrol, never heard of that one. Uh, I think that you probably have never heard this one. In which video game with groundbreaking animated graphics do you play as a valiant knight named Dirk the Daring? King Arthur. I'm going to give you one more take, and I'm going to say that it is featured in the first episode of Stranger Things Season 2.
1: Yeah, I know, and I can't think of it.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's Dragon's Lair.
1: Ah, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could see them playing, and I was like, ooh, that's kind of sneaky. Yeah. All right then the last question from the stranger things category itself in which us state is the fictional town of hawkins
0: indiana yes and here's where you get the win because we are tied 2 to 2 but here is your winning question what is the name of the school dance where mike and eleven kiss in the final episode of season 2
1: winter ball oh
0: it's a groaner the snowball, snowball? damn it man <laughs> that's going to be a tie game Man, nothing worse.
1: And I remember watching it, thinking like, "What's the difference between a snowman and a snowwoman?" <laughs> Snowballs. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh. You know what's funny too is that after we had the trivia from one of them and asked us Lucas's last name, mm-hmm. it came class. up so much. Oh in yeah! Two I, I was oh like, yeah! Holy shit! I didn't know if I was just more aware of it because of the question, or what. I, th-
0: I think I, w- I think that's probably. Probably accurate. Uh but yeah, so if you enjoyed that actually breaking news for once and the petering out tie game trivia, <laughs> go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out ever. And while you're at it, go ahead and download the podcoin app. So basically how the podcoin app works is, is you can listen to any of your favorite podcasts and you get paid to do it. They pay you in podcoins, which you can go ahead and donate to charity. Or you can use to get things like Amazon and Starbucks gift cards. Uh, There are items on there. They keep changing the list of those things week to week. Like I said, it's definitely something that's worth checking out. I don't listen to podcasts anywhere else anymore.
1: And if you sign up using our promo code, which is porcelain, you will get 300 extra coins just for doing that.
0: All right, let's move on to the main event of the morning. (laughs) <laughs> uh stranger things season two this is one i've been excited to talk about just because uh there are some parts of this season that i feel like are controversial and i don't know how much that's earned but it's going to be an interesting take so i'm really excited to dig into the nitty-gritty about this uh, season with you uh but we'll start it off like we always do at the beginning i mean i will for those of you who didn't rewatch with us uh or listen to our episode of stranger things season one uh we end in in a in a better place, but it ends up looking pretty precarious by the end. We've defeated the Demogorgon. Eleven is missing. And uh, we have Will Byers back, but he's not quite the same Will Byers we got in the first place. So he's having these issues where he keeps slipping in and out of the Upside Down. He's spitting up weird slugs, and it's, it's pretty gross. Uh, <laughs> but so we're left at that cliffhanger of him slipping into the Upside Down for a second and coming right back. But yeah, so Season 2, it kind of starts off with a bang a little bit. Uh, we get to kind of pick up where everybody's left off. It's a full year ahead of where we left off, and they, everybody's gathering to go to the arcade. Uh, they end up getting there, and they find out that there's a new kid in town who has taken the top spot on some of their favorite arcade cabinets. And they're not happy about it.
1: <laughs> Especially Dustin.
0: <laughs> yeah, Dustin. Well, I mean, he he had the top spot of Dig Dug. I mean... <laughs> That game where you pump up little stuff, and what I find hilarious is that Dig Dug ends up being a a, a, a motif in this. Dig Dug, yeah, okay. it come. I mean, it comes back up over and over again. They use that machine as a meeting place on several occasions throughout the season, and on top of that, they also do a lot of digging and a lot of tunneling. Okay, like it's it's fucking weird. That is like, weird. like the way that they do things. So they didn't do it with the music this time. They kept the music a little more on the nose. It's it's yeah. on brand for the time frame, but they also kept it like close to the scenes they were using. So they did it in a similar way. They just didn't make one central song, you know. Which is not a problem. Like I said, they found ways to make connections through other mediums, and they bring in some more of that like nerd and geek culture. By bringing in arcades and that and that sort of stuff. And it definitely helps kind of push things through.
1: Especially with that time period. Yeah.
0: There were obviously a bunch of references as per usual. Just through like the first episode. You have references to E.T. You have references to Terminator.
1: I mean Mad Max itself.
0: Yeah. Mad Max as well. Um, they also uh, they show a lot about politics. And it kind of gives a little bit more information about the families that are surrounding these children that we've been following for a season. Obviously, the Wheelers are a Reagan Bush family, you know, and uh, there are other families like Dustin's family that are a little a little lower income and a little more a little more left leaning that have you know the Democrat signs out in front of their stuff. So it's interesting because you kind of get to see a little bit more about those families through their their politics. But without shoving the politics in your face. Like, obviously, Ted Wheeler's a Republican. You can fucking see it all over his face. (laughs) Uh, Which brings me to my uh, next point that's written here. Still fuck Ted Wheeler. He's a worthless (laughs) piece of shit. Apparently,
1: my kids don't live here anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Worthless. What an asshole. I'm pretty sure I wrote still fuck Ted Wheeler like six times on this list.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's not great. But I think, I mean, I think that's kind of the point. You know, now that's what we're going for. We're just—he's disposable. Parents yeah. are oblivious, and he's kind of shitty. But I think it ties back into like the male role models too. Like we don't get a ton of good ones. We get Jonathan and Hopper. Yeah, I would
0: definitely say at this point Hopper is is a is a and, good role model. And then
1: now, I think throughout this season we get Steve, who we're not really sure about. Right, and then toward the end of this one, you're like, dude, I fucking love Steve.
0: Say so you're you're missing the introduction of one of the best characters in the series as well. Oh, that's right, Bob. Bob. Uh, Bob is a beautiful soul. I wrote it down here. Bob is everything that Will needed at the moment that he needed it. Just. I mean, his advice ends up kind of being shitty once we get to, like, episode three or four. Right. But he doesn't realize that. He thinks that he's dealing with real kid problems and not fucking giant monsters. Like, I mean, it's a it's a different story, you know? But, I mean, as far as, like, trying to help a kid through, like, PTSD and being afraid of things, he's the perfect person for that job. And Bob is the kind of person who, because of the way that he was brought up and because of his... The things that he had to struggle with through his childhood, he's the kind of person that if you call on him, he will be there in a second. And I love this character.
1: And that's another thing that I really liked about this season in contrast to the first one is that it does a lot of stuff different. It doesn't rely on trying to repeat things. It's like, hey, this is a continuation. This isn't like a sequel, really. Yeah. It is just the same story continued. And so we don't get those boggles that you get with some sequels where it's like, let's do the same thing, but more of it. Yeah. This is just a continuation. Like I was saying. And so this succeeds because it's more of that world, but different aspects of it.
0: Yeah. It was something where you can tell they had an idea that was cohesive before they started the process. It wasn't something where they were like, Oh, we have an idea for one thing about one season. And then we're going to try to just stretch that until we can't stretch it anymore. And then we'll start trying to come up with new shit on the fly. Lost, we're looking at you. Uh, (laughs) It is definitely more of a, hey, we have a bunch of really cool ideas. And we're going to work our way through. And we're going to create stories and characters that connect these ideas. And it just makes so much more sense. And I am really excited to see what the end of this season leads into the new season. We'll definitely... Uh, touch on that in a couple of weeks.
1: Especially because it's been so long and they've aged so much. So it's going to have to be a time jump.
0: Oh, uh, Lucas looks like a full-blown adult. <laughs> I mean, I saw a, a video of them the other day and I was like, Jesus Christ. He, I mean, he's got a fucking mustache, a big-ass afro. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> this, This is a full-grown dude. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, there are a bunch of things that I noticed throughout kind of the process of the first few episodes of this season uh, they definitely raised the stakes and I felt like that was something that was important uh, they actually made a, a proper and useful use of a Dutch angle I really liked that uh, it was in one of the sequences where where Will starts to kind of slip into the upside down at the arcade and they actually tilt the camera and I was like yo that's actually a dope use of that 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 <laughs> angle that I hate you know Like that actually makes sense. It checks out. Like, why would you use it all over the place, Kenneth Brana? And I also like that they didn't show Eleven until the final minute of the episode. They they alluded to it at the end of season one, but they didn't use her as a crutch. It was something where we don't we know we see the fallout. We see that Mike has you know been out of shape about it, and we see that the group is lesser because of it. But we don't get to find out that she's even still a thing until the very end of the episode. I mean, it's the, literally the final minute. I, I looked at the time code.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that's cool that she just isn't out wrecking like she could be. And yeah, I mean, this season's just surprised me so much and I haven't watched it since it came out well, like a year and a half ago. Yeah. And again, I was just blown away because I was very nervous that I wasn't going to re- like it. Yeah. Or uh, like it in comparison to the first one and I got to tell you man uh, there was a few episodes where I was watching this and I was like this is this is better. Yes. Which is crazy to say because season 1 is so great. I'm not yeah. even going to say it was good. That season 1's great. And then for season 2 to me anyway to be better, I was like what the fuck.
0: I will tell you probably my number one reason why I Well, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. Noah Schnapp, the kid who plays Will Byers, he is an incredible young actor. I mean, the sequences where you have to kind of watch him struggle through this scenario, just he's so good about showing his emotions and like the kid can cry on cue and it's like a super good, like actable cry. Like he can like talk and we can understand him, but it also looks like he's in great pain. And that's incredible for someone who's what twelve, thirteen at the time of filming. Like that's crazy. That's a that's a talent that will go places. If you know his his ticket is punched at this point, he is the highlight of the season as right, far as like acting performances go.
1: And it's really focused on him this season, where I feel like last season was focused on Mike and Eleven. Mm-hmm. This one is very focused in on Will. We don't get a ton of Mike, even. Yeah, he's there throughout the whole thing, right? But he is playing a supporting role this time around. And I was, thought that was cool. I wanted to see more of Will. And I was hoping that he was able to hold up with the rest of the kids. Because we don't get a ton of him in season one. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, let's see what this kid can do now. And we get to see that. And they, I love that. I, I mean, this is a weird thing to say, but I love that he was teased about being a zombie boy. Mm-hmm. Because that's realistic. You know yeah. what I mean? That's good writing. And they don't just ignore weird shit that happened, it is present in the town. Yes. And so that was was good. I was like, okay, cool. Because you you get that a lot with shows like this where they forget, you know, what happened or they don't talk about what happened. But it's mentioned out throughout the whole thing with this. Especially when it comes to Max where it's like, dude, we can't tell you. And so there's a reason why they can't talk about it and then we get to see what happens if they do. And so it's not just thrown in to keep the town quiet so we can move the story forward. It actually makes a difference within this world and i was like man that is good writing so yeah i mean he's great uh will's fantastic and everyone's surrounding i mean the whole cast is really good the yeah. only person that i fucking super dislike is uh like, what's his name max's brother
0: oh you're talking about billy
1: yeah he's i mean but his character's awful the acting's good yeah but god i fucking hate that guy <laughs>
0: I mean, and, but you also get to see behind the curtain with that a little bit and the reason why he's that way as well. I mean, like I said, we'll dig into that when we get to episode eight. But so going through like episodes two and three, we're getting more and more of these instances where, where Will is slipping in and out of the upside down. And, can, and like it's for longer periods of time. He's seeing creatures he's never seen before. Uh, I mean, we get our first our first look at the mind flayer at the at the at the large shadow creature.
1: Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they use that, and I thought that was really cool. So we get Joyce kind of still paranoid about mm-hmm. the whole thing, which is super reasonable. Yes. And and then we kind of get this connection to season one in a way where she's, like, paranoid, and we get this weird thing. So they don't try to do the lights again. Mm-hmm. Instead, Joyce is watching a tape and kind of sees a flare and does a little bit of tracing. I'm like, that's cool, because it connects to the drawings that we've had previously, and it keeps – that idea present where will is an artist yeah and so i like that because it's building again more of these characters and and our relationships with them and then we get kind of that paranoia from her but then eventually obviously that expands and it's not to the extent as the lights but it is very similar with all the tunnels
0: and then also i mean we get a lot of other pairings that were kind of like weird pairings you wouldn't have expected so uh you get hopper and 11 because he's the one who finds her And their relationship, like, while it's tumultuous at times, like, the cute moments are, like, cutesy bullshit that I never knew that I needed. And I'm so glad that I got, you know. Their relationship is, in some cases, adorable. Like, when they show, like, the flashback of him going, taking her to the cabin for the first time. And he puts on the music and starts dancing around. That's fucking adorable. When he pisses her off that one night and then, like, he, like, wakes her up and he's like, he's like... So I guess I'm just going to have to eat this uh, uh, giant ego surprise by myself. <laughs> 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 it's, just, it's just its super cute.
1: I think it's what they both needed too, mm-hmm. right? Because Hopper obviously suffers from his grief with losing his daughter. And not that Eleven is a replacement for that. But I think that that helps him fill a void that he has. Yeah, for sure. And she has obviously the worst... Example of a father figure that you could possibly have. Yeah, for sure. And to get somebody like Hopper who is still stern and still strict, but also doesn't withhold affection like Mm -hmm. Papa. does. You know,
0: I felt like that character also takes a lot of strides in this season where you were. I mean, we discussed a lot about Eleven in season one in that that there's not a lot of room for that character to have a bunch of personality because she's learning how to. Speak English. She's learning how to like, like behave in an actual society and not in a lab. Which, after is, you
1: mentioned that in the last episode, I was thinking about that more this yeah. time around. You know, and and it's crazy how apparent that really is because throughout the whole thing, she's repeating
0: and parroting, and,
1: yeah, yeah, and questioning like, "What's that mean? What is that? What is that?" And then saying it back, like, "Yeah, like the parrot stuff." And I was like, "Ah, John brought up a good point." <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, but she gets a lot more room to kind of be a bigger character and a bigger deal in this season. And I I like I'm all for it. I'm I'm super down. I felt like this character is something cool, especially considering like I said, it's it's a little girl and she's the badass of the group. Like that's that's dope.
1: Right. And I, I mean I still feel like they try to make her really badass in parts where well, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, 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 okay. Tone it back a little bit, but it's still great. Yeah. Like, with the slick back hair, she's all punk rock. And I was like, all that's, right. That's
0: <laughs> super cool. Come on, dog. Like, we aren't that shit, you know?
1: I know. That would have been us.
0: Obviously, there are more references. There is a reference to James Bond. Uh, they're talking about Will being a super spy against the against the Mind Flayer. And in that same sequence, they show Hopper walking with his gun drawn dur- through one of the tunnels. And it looks just like the gun barrel shot.
1: Oh, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. You know what was really cool about that? One of those shots, too, is I think it's right when the episode's ending, it shows Hopper like drops down. And then it it turns the whole thing upside down. Yeah, they
0: do that several times in this season. But I think that's the first instance they use it. And I was like, yo, that's fucking dope. I love that shit.
1: Yeah, I love that shot. And then that stuff was really cool.
0: Um, obviously, Ghostbusters, they reference that with their costumes. And I love the little argument that they have about, about them both being Vankman. <laughs> <laughs> because um, what? Because <laughs> you're not black? <laughs> like, Ooh. Ooh, right in the feels. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they also make another uh, Spielberg reference. Uh, there is a uh, Jaws poster in one of the rooms at the, buyer, at the buyer's house. You wouldn't know anything about that.
1: I wouldn't know anything about
0: that. Hopefully we can correct that. I'm going to say this on air. At one of our local theaters, they're playing Jaws in theater. So I think we may have to... I mean,
1: if that's going to be your first watch, might as well do it like that, huh? Yeah,
0: might as well make it a big deal, right?
1: Okay, okay. (laughs) Let me know when. I'll do it.
0: Yeah. We'll do it.
1: Yes, I'll do it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and obviously they make a shit ton of Goonies references, and I love that.
1: Basically, I mean, the whole thing is a Goonies reference, right?
0: Well, but like I said, having Sean Astin as one of your characters and then having the like the pirate treasure, like what's the X, pirate treasure, that shit, I was like, ooh, they just like reached out and just like, hey, buddy, thanks for watching, and then just pulled back. That's <laughs> so cool.
1: Yeah, and, and I kind of want to do an episode about like children in horror and children in sci-fi and how
0: how to do it and how not to do it.
1: Well, also how that was a thing that was targeted, right? Or scary movies for kids or scary movies about kids and how that kind of went away and now it's kind of having a renaissance. Yeah. And I don't want to get into too much of that now, but I think that relates definitely to this show.
0: Oh for sure. And this is that one that's of those how things. pushed it. Right. Yes. Just and- like it's, you know, bolstered the the like original content on Netflix, it's also bolstered that genre as well, which I'm down for.
1: Yeah, I mean we're getting a ton of stuff. And there's been some cool there's been some some hits and some and some dips, I yeah. guess. <laughs> well, I mean what like I
0: said, we will definitely break this down in an episode at a later date. Oh, and uh, Dustin is full blown my spirit animal throughout this whole show. Like he finds this little creature and is like, oh, like I want like like I want everyone to know that I discovered this and like tries to raise it and then ends up losing a cat because of it. Like, I mean the his whole relationship with Dart is super cute. Uh, even though it gets pretty terrifying for a hot minute, uh, but also when he's out and about, you already mentioned the the one line. I guess my kids don't live here anymore. <laughs> yeah. um,
1: so let me ask you this question: the the polywog comes from the slugs that Wills throwing up, right? Yes, and then turns into a little tiny like well they they're calling them demi dogs. Yes. So then, does that eventually become a demi gorgon? Yes.
0: Okay. Because yeah. that
1: wasn't. That's what it seemed like, but it wasn't 100% clear and that we don't ever get to see that, that full final evolution. transformation. Yeah. yeah, And so I wasn't 100% sure. But, so eventually that Demi-Dog would become a demi Yeah,
0: it's, it's an adolescent form of the okay. uh, demigorgon.
1: And dude, I didn't realize how fucking brutal this season is. When they, oh, yeah. Especially when they're in the lab and it's getting attacked. I was like, oh my god. Well,
0: it, it takes the opening scene from season one and it ups the ante. For sure, because I mean, there's more, more people, more creatures. It's just, it's an all out free for all.
1: And so, like in the first season, you know, there's the little rip at the bottom of the basement of the lab, right? Mm. And that's kind of creepy. And then in this one, it's just this whole shaft, and they show them like hanging in the shaft. Yeah, it's just surrounded by the upside down breakthrough. Yeah, I was like, oh my god, that's terrifying. You can't see the bottom; you can only see what they're. Putting a yeah. yeah. And I was like, fuck that
0: dude. Yeah, there was a, a scene where uh when Dustin is out trying to get help about the whole dog thing and he ends up finding Steve. Before that, he's talking to Ted Wheeler, trying to figure out where everybody's at, and he walks away and he's just like, Son of a bitch, you're no help. And I was like, <laughs> Fuck yeah, still fuck Ted Wheeler. That's what I wrote right here. In fucking uh bold uh italics. <laughs> And
1: I feel like they let the kids swear more uh-huh. in this season, and I like that because it feels like them growing up.
0: Well, and it also shows in a lot of situations that, specifically with as much as Mike swears, uh, it shows a lot of like that, like like the shit that he's dealing with. I mean, because he doesn't get to realize that Eleven is still there until episode eight at the very end. I mean, that's a I mean that's a whole year a whole year. Not knowing where like one of your best friends is—that's pretty fucked,
1: dude. And let's talk about that scene where Hopper pulls him into the room and they start like yelling at each other. Oh
0: my god, it's so real. It's so real. I mean, it's
1: and like just the acting chops from both of them. Yeah, man. It's like just get it. Let this scene go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, it definitely choked me up. I mean, the scene
1: has a lot of emotion to it. I feel like even more. And a lot more scares, too. I mean, this season is so good. And I think the reason why I feel like that partly is because it's so heavily connected. Mm-hmm. Right? So in season one, you kind of get what's going on with the kids, kind of get what's going on at the lab, and you kind of get what's going on with Joyce and Hopper. Yeah. So, yes, they're all loosely connected, but they're all very much doing their own thing. And this one, they everyone like- is... On the same page. Yeah, they've created,
0: like, a support network for themselves. Right, and they're all
1: doing it together. So what's going on with them directly ties into what's going on with these people and directly connects to what's going on here. And we get a little bit of side stuff with Jonathan and Nancy trying to get...
0: (laughs) So, Jonathan, how was the pullout? Oh, my God. Fucking (laughs) so good. So good.
1: But that's what I loved about this season because until you get to episode seven, everything is super connected and just very cohesive and all one thing together. And I love that because it makes it seem so intense and it makes it all seem like one story for all these people. And we get to see how everything that they dealt with from season one has made them, like you were saying, like a collective, like a family. This is their new family now, Fuck mom and dad Wheeler, you know what I mean? Forget Lucas's little sister. This is what's been made now. And this is what we're going to have to be because we need these people to survive. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. And that seven was bad, but it breaks away from that.
0: So, and I think that it does that on purpose because there are two ways they could have gone about telling that story. They could have sprinkled it in and tried to keep you invested with the other stories, but it would have broken those stories apart. And I feel like that would have been a disservice and having it be its own thing that have little ties back, like her hearing Hopper calling out over the radio those little things to keep it connected allows us to see what's possible on the other end of that spectrum. Cause we need to know like she is one of 11 that we know of so far and we know this other person exists. Cause that's what we opened the season up with. I think that they needed to make that connection because I think she thinks that she's right. Eight thinks she's right. By the time we get through the process, we find out that she, she probably isn't, you know, she's looking at things from a vindictive standpoint people who aren't even really in the game anymore. Like, I mean, they may have done terrible things, but they're also leading lives and you're potentially hurting people who are innocent by being vengeful. And I think, while I'm not a super huge fan of her little group. I think that I like her character. I think that her character has layers and there are things you can peel back. And I think that in the end, 11 learned something from her and she learned something from 11 and their... I
1: think we learn about Eleven, too.
0: Yes. Learned more about her power set. Learned more about her what ties her to things emotionally. And she learned more about what she sees as a family. She sees their stuff that's broken and looking for, you know, retribution. And that that is not what she's looking for. She wants this side here where there's actual love and, you know, understanding.
1: Right, so we're seeing Hopper's influence that he's already having on her. Yeah. Not only with, like, the wanting love and wanting affection, but also with her moral compass where she's like, yeah, I want to get back at these people because I'm angry. But then when it comes down to it, she's like, this isn't right. Yeah. You know, she's like, you know, WWHD. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a good question to ask, I guess. You know what I mean? And like you said, we get to see that those familial ties and what that means to her and where – She's getting where she's going to end up going with that. So like, I need to get back to my real family because yes, you're my sister and I got to see mama and you can help me with Papa. But that's, that's kind of the old me now and I got to move forward. Yeah. And these people love and care about me. And that was just a shitty relationship for all of them.
0: <laughs> new year, new Jane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was, like I, I think that the episode is important. I do think that it does bring, break away from the story a little much but i still think that especially on a repeat watching there's so much cool shit in that episode and like i said just showing that she's learning more about how her stuff works learning that she doesn't need to have like this huge like you know immersion tank or whatever in order to make her powers work like that she can just do it like by sleeping like she's stronger yeah
1: and, yeah, like you said, the skill set. And so it's not like, oh, she can do all this stuff. We're slowly seeing that development, and that's really cool.
0: Well, and if we hadn't had episode seven, the climax in episode nine wouldn't happen either. Right. So she this, wouldn't know. She wouldn't have any idea.
1: What was I think what's hard watching it straight through is that when episode six ends, it ends on a huge fucking cliffhanger that we've been building to for the first mm-hmm. six episodes. And mm-hmm. you're like, holy shit, what's going on? And then, boom. Boom something completely different and then you're like okay and you get a little chance to breathe and it's like all right all right but what's going on at the lab and then that's when the dogs break out right?
0: and they fucking hit you with it on episode eight
1: and that's yeah i mean that fuck dude episode eight is is great so yeah so i think seven is one of the ones where people were like i don't really like episode seven and it and and in some ways it does feel almost like a backdoor pilot
0: it's I mean, like, they could have been trying to expand a universe off of it, right. which I don't think so. I think that it's just going to be more things they are going to build into the story. I mean, this isn't going to be the last we hear from 8, and it's not going to be the last we hear of the concept of them trying to find these other lost kids. I think that, that will, we'll get more of that in Season 3 and seasons moving forward from that.
1: Right, and I would like to see some conclusion with the Papa character. Yeah. Because he's not dead
0: at least as far as what they're saying
1: yeah and and l should be able to find him, yeah, and so I would kind of like to see what's going on with him because mm-hmm. I can't imagine he would just quit yeah doing what he's doing so
0: because I mean we we've seen it dr. Brenner is evil, so it's like I mean it's it's completely different from another character that we that that's a new character that we haven't even talked about this season with paul Paul riser's character I mean he is like the complete opposite of Brenner like
1: and He's, you're unsure about him at first.
0: Yeah, I mean, he does things that make him seem sketchy, but by the time you get to a place like episode 8, you realize how much different he is about as far as him like trying to like stand up to the board and him saying like, you know, that, you know, this one kid's life is worth protecting and it's just it's an interesting dichotomy between the two. Like you can see how Hawkins Lab is viewed in one eye and through the other. And It was just an interesting take, and I felt like his character was a breath of fresh air, and I think that Hopper saving him in kind of the rush was definitely a good idea.
1: And it shows how they can still surprise us. Mm Because you kind of go into that situation with expectations based off the first season, and they're able to kind of play with that idea. Yeah. And then surprise you, like, okay, he's not a total piece of shit like Brenner was.
0: And it's earned. It's it's that's the that's the big thing, is that all of these all of these big payouts are things that they've been cashing in since episode one of season one, and to have that is incredible. Like I said, especially in a in a world where a lot of things get sloppily written and they try to give you these big aha moments without any pay, like without any like payment, mm-hmm. and that shit sucks. It sucks when it happens, and it's great when it doesn't. You know, when it's done the right way.
1: I think part of it is that, as far as I know. They're not getting a ton of their strings pulled when it comes to that kind of stuff. They're letting them – Netflix is letting the Duffer brothers write and make the story that they are able to do without pulling any strings. As far as I know, Mm -hmm. we don't ever hear stories about Netflix being like this overseeing production where they can't do shit. Netflix is pretty lenient, it seems like, with what they're letting the creators create.
0: Yeah, so I mean in – in the struggle of getting out, we get the final moments of Bob, him stepping up and really just uh, a saving everyone by taking the the lab out of lockdown. But he also gives his life pretty much to save everybody else. And that
1: I guess for me that part I felt was the one time where I was like, "That's a little convenient that Joyce just happened to come across a guy who's like a tech nerd and who happens to know the one code." that you need to to get out of the lab. You know what I mean? I was like, okay, that's a little convenient. Not that it's completely out of left field because we know he's into tech and stuff. Mm-hmm. But that one for me I was like, all right. I'll I'll suspend some disbelief here.
0: Yeah, like I said, I think that I think that Bob was also what Joyce needed at that time. And not necessarily what she physically needed to save her life, but like what she needed as a as somebody who could be like nice and forgiving. In a situation where she just got done with like the hardest like month of her life, you know, having somebody who, who like when the phone starts ringing, and she freaks out. He's like, Hey, calm down, just ignore it. Yeah, you know? I like
1: that too. Yes, yeah. that was great too because we're, again, we're seeing the repercussions of season one, and I think they hit a Dutch angle on that one. Yeah, and it, I was like, Okay, I'll see you <laughs> for her. That's like, Oh shit, and yeah, then you're kind of like. Wait, should we be worried because they yeah. give us that Dutch angle, and it kind of makes you feel paranoid with Joyce? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, like you were saying, that it shows Bob like comforting her and 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 comforting us too. I was like, thanks, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> I feel way better now. But yeah,
0: losing him though was hard. I mean, and it's and it's not like a it's not a situation where he might make it out. No, he like he full blown is is gone. Bye, Bob. That shit was hard.
1: And it was right there. And I was like, fuck, God damn it.
0: Yeah. And then just watching like as like Hopper's like struggling to get Joyce to leave. Like, I mean, it was just hard.
1: They needed to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know I mean, because you know, they're not going to kill any of the kids. Yeah. And so we do that's we do get a lot of people that we don't know too well or that we don't uh, super care about dying. And I, that's OK. But Bob, they made us love him. Before yeah. they Before they asked him. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see how they continue that, because obviously there's going to need to be casualties in season three because there always is. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they're going to let any of the main cast go.
0: I guess we'll find out. I mean, I hope not, but Big I mean, punch. yeah, it'd be, it'd be hard.
1: I wouldn't be surprised if they did Steve.
0: I think that it it could be Steve. I also think that it could be Hopper.
1: That would suck. Yeah. Cause we need him. Mm-hmm. Hopper a lot. And that would suck for Eleven. Yeah, so they deal with the smoke monster being, like, inside of Will and this, and Will being a spy and then trying to deal with all that shit, getting rid of him. And then Max becomes a part of the gang. Steve becomes a part of everything, too, and really helps them destroy these creatures. <laughs> the
0: Farrah faucet spray. <laughs> and, then,
1: and then we get that like, stand-by-me moment with them walking down the tracks. Yeah. And then he really just becomes a mentor for Dustin throughout the rest of the season, even though it's only a few
0: episodes. And then and it looks it, like that's going to continue based on the on the trailers for season three as well. And that's good. That's that, I that. love that pairing. They're perfect. They are perfect foils for each other.
1: And then L, because we get to see the strength of her powers, is able to close off the gate. The gate, yes. So we think, <laughs> you know, and that's pretty scary. Yeah, and she does a great job, and then it, it ends on a pretty happy note. I guess overall the whole season and we didn't really talk too much about it, but I do want to mention that Jonathan and Nancy go and do get justice for Barb as much as they can. Yeah. And then to the point where
0: Hawkins lab. Hawkins closed labs, down. Yeah.
1: And is blamed for Barb's death. And so there's a little bit of a victory for the whole justice for Barb thing that, that has been taking place. And since everyone was upset about for season one yeah, and I like that and I like that that connection was still there and then we didn't just completely forget about Barb. And then, you know, Jonathan and Nancy get to hook up, which we have been expecting since season one. Yeah. So that's pretty have, cool, too.
0: Because they almost have – they have more chemistry than, than than with Steve.
1: And then from there, we go to the snowball. Yeah. The winter ball? <laughs> the winter snowball. And we get to see all the kids kind of growing up and pairing off. And Dustin tries the hardest and is very let down, which is kind of sad, dude.
0: But he gets to dance with Nancy. But he does
1: get to dance with Nancy. And then yeah. all the girls are all jealous. Yeah. And then Will gets asked to dance, which is really cute.
0: Hey, and zombie boy, like, okay. come <laughs> dance with me.
1: Yeah. Super nice way to ask. Yeah. And then Lucas pairs up with Max. And they smooch. Yeah. Which is really cute. Mm. And then Will and Eleven. Mm. Or not Will. Mike and Eleven. Man. Just... And you're waiting. You're waiting the whole time Yeah. just to see them together makes it so intense yeah. and for it to be that situation and him to be so happy because he's so pissed off and miserable the whole time.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, he's dealing with so many different things. We get those emotional payoffs mm. uh, at the end. And then just like with with season one, we get the right kind of cliffhanger. They know how to do it the right way. And we just get the snowball just flips upside down with that badass shot again. And then we see the upside down and we see that the mind flayer is still alive. And I can't wait. I'm it's I think he's fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's it's. Not not soon enough. It's two weeks from now. It's not soon enough. I need it to happen already.
1: <laughs> I I I know we're gonna be watching the shows pretty quickly, but I am so hesitant to do that because I just want to savor it.
0: Yeah, I know. But, but there's I, no way. No, no. It's we're um, already talking about
1: barbecuing and watching
0: them all. <laughs> July third at eleven fifty nine. We'll all be in front of the TV ready to go.
1: <laughs> but yeah, um I mean, I'm ready for it. It's been so long and. I want to kind of hinder my expectations, not because I don't expect the season to blow me away, but I don't want to build it up too much where I've done Mm -hmm. that before going into something where I'm really excited about where it's like, it's going to be great. Yeah. Then you go in and you're like, okay, that was
0: decent. You're like, yeah, that was okay.
1: But it's hard because these, after watching these first two seasons again, I was like, fuck man, like this show is a great show. Yeah. I mean, I think that about covers it. Yeah. As far as that goes, I mean, we can keep going on about it and I'm sure there's stuff that we miss, but I think we got to it for the most part and we didn't talk about was it Billy too much.
0: Yeah, I think the, I think the little scene between him and Mrs. Wheeler was 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 pretty cute. Hilarious. And then we I all- think he's going to become better. Better.
1: Yeah, I do. I think he'll eventually become a part of the group and maybe not in like a predominant role, but I think that he'll at least know what's going
0: on. Yeah, that fight between him and Steve was pretty crazy too.
1: Right. He got to play like a little
0: punk. Yeah. I was
1: like fight the guy. And then it just got nuts. And I was yeah. Like, good, good on you, Steve. So Steve, they make him out to be the pretty boy, but he's he's got some spunk in him, you know.
0: Yeah, but I mean, Max finishes finishes that fight for sure, though. With the
1: <laughs> yeah, that shit with them driving the car was wild. Yeah, loved it. Loved that. Sh- yeah, the yeah. season's great. Yeah, all right.
0: Uh, like I said, we I think we're both in agreement that we think that they improved on pretty close to every aspect of the show. From season one to season two, which is saying a shit ton.
1: Yeah, and and for the, you know the horror aspect of this show and for that show, it's even scarier. Yeah, you know what I mean, and even though we we even though we know about the Upside Down and about that world, we don't know enough to make it not scary anymore because this shit is taking over and it's still terrifying. Yeah, and it manifests in new ways, and then we get this giant smoke monster that can inhabit people I don't know. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. I was yeah. like, all right.
0: Yeah, I'm ready, you're ready. We'll we'll definitely be talking about uh about season 3 pretty much all of July. So be prepared for that. But yeah, that'll wrap it up for our discussion on Stranger Things season 2. Uh so we are going to go ahead and jump into our watch list.
1: Patrick, what is it? Where are you going? We've got to return some video games. So what I had what I went ahead and did for this watch list is I went on some of the mainstreaming sites, so Netflix, Hulu, and Amazon, to show you what I would recommend from those. Mm-hmm. So if you got Prime, which is this is really funny because I would recommend 1984. <laughs> <laughs> it's on Prime and you know it's it's very science fiction and society-based. And super creepy, and the book ended up basically coming true. <laughs> yeah. And then from Hulu, Annihilation. Obviously, we I think we've talked about it. I know yeah. you really liked it. And it's super weird and super creepy and very much a horror sci-fi crossover, so check that one out. And then from Netflix, Moon, starring Sam Rockwell.
0: Yeah. That movie has a batshit third act, but it is It's pretty excellent.
1: And it's got uh, David Bowie's son, Duncan Jones, directing. So check it out.
0: Uh, Obviously, uh, to prep for next week's episode, you should go to your local theater and watch Child's Play because we are going to be breaking that movie down. I'm going to be seeing it day of recording. You've already seen it. So uh, you know what I'm in for. I don't want to know any more about it. I just want to jump in and get it done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a good approach.
0: (laughs) But yeah, that's going to wrap it up for the watch list for this week. But as always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. So that way you don't miss out on anything. And if you hit us with a five-star rating on any of the big platforms, we will hit you with a shout-out. You can catch us at all of our socials. Those are going to be at Porson Peak, uh, at Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, We are on just about every single platform as far as podcast listening is concerned. So you can catch us on... Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, Stitcher, a little bit of SoundCloud, uh, TuneIn, and obviously, PodCoin. Like I said, if you want to catch us there, don't forget to use our code PORSELAN. Uh That'll get you some free coins towards getting some cool things. Maybe get a free cup of, cup of Joe or, or uh, something cool from Target. Oh, and if you want to catch any notes about the podcast or any extra stuff that we have going on or whatever, we'll post that stuff on our website, uh, porcelainpeak.com. And as always... Thank you for listening. Keep it strange. A Hyperforge Alpha Network production.